What would change in the world if you, me, and everyone choose to feed the wolf of possibilities instead of the one of doubt, distrust, and despair? The way I see it, our point of view creates reality, not the other way around. Somewhere deep within, I think we know that. In this podcast, I am daring you to claim this remarkable superpower. Join us and be inspired by trackers, explorers, and finders of possibilities from the multiverse of hope. Welcome to the podcast, Feeding the Wolf of Possibilities, with your host, Katrina Valentin. Welcome to this episode of the podcast, Feeding the Wolf of Possibilities. My guest today is Katrin Sandberg. She is a story coach and she guides people and businesses with identifying the transformational powers of their own narratives. She's also an advocate of the psychology of positive emotions and has recently written a book called The Awe Effect, together with Sarah Hammerkrantz. And that is what we will dive into today, the effects of awe. What the bleep is awe, really? And what are the known and unknown effects and possibilities of awe that most of us have never even considered? Welcome, Katrine. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here, diving into the possibilities of awe. Love it. <laughs> uh, and, and it's just, right before we started, we talked about um, my inspiration for this podcast, the movie Tomorrowland, and how in there, the points of views that are actually about despair and how everything basically goes to hell also creates a world where everything goes to hell. And I would say that's actually a world that has been depraved of awe, where awe doesn't exist. The world and us as human beings, we just shrivel. So, Katrin, what is awe? Well, awe, I think, if, if, I, if I turn it right back to you as the person, you, Katerina, or anyone that listens to it, you know that you have experienced awe as you have certainly dropped your jaw, you have gotten goosebumps, you have felt like an expanding warm feeling over your chest, maybe witnessing a newborn's eyes looking into them or standing on the rifts of Grand Canyon looking out and being maybe more awestruck, so to say, or uh, watching a beautiful sunrise or a sunset, that feeling that you feel at that point, we can call awe. And, and you know, I just thought of this um, in the book that you've written, there is a lot of different um, things that create awe. And we'll get back to them a bit later. But one of the things that I've noticed is that my daughter often says, oh, mom, you're crying again. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have the sense that I actually cry in moments of awe. And some of them, for example, is moments when I either experience or I watch a sense of something that's bigger than myself. And something occurs and I, I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm, I'm drabbadov in Swedish, but I'm like affected by this moment because somehow it's bigger than me. <laughs> And yeah. that's my best description of that. Yes, for sure. And uh, 2003, um, two professors decided to actually uh, put a definition on awe because before that, there weren't like a scientific definition on awe. And 
the two the two parameters that that are holds so to say is that number one it's called vastness it's so vast it's so big that it's almost hard to contain you know it's so bigger as you say it's bigger than yourself so mm. it could be physically bigger i told you about the grand canyon moment but it could also be psychologically and emotionally bigger you listen to your daughter uh play the violin by herself for the first time and you can't grasp this is so big you know hmm. and the other part of the definition is accom accommodation and that means it's like your brain it's hard for you to place you try to place it it's so it's so much wow into what you feel so you have to go into your brain can i place this anywhere how is this possible so I think that this description, which is the, so to say, the scientific description of on awe these days, um, mirrors what you said, that it's something so much bigger that it's hard, hard to contain and hold. And you, you're thinking, what the heck, basically. <laughs> One of the most amazing um, examples of awe that you have in the book that, that I've read about before, but it, haven't really connected to awe is what they call the overview effect. Could you talk a little yeah. bit about what that is and what that creates? It's yeah. such an amazing thing. <laughs> yes. I think that uh, me and Sarah, Sarah, who I wrote the book with, we, we, we talk a lot about, um, you know, everyday awe, you know, almost awe as on a scale. Uh, but then we have on the, on the other side of the everyday awe, so to say, we have mm -hmm. what we would say like the the most awe that you can probably get <laughs> and that is the <laughs> that is what the astronauts get when they are up in space watching the earth from above so it is actually such an interesting area to study. So, so um, the, the researchers of awe, they have gone to the astronauts because uh, it's so interesting that they basically get up in space as engineers, theoretical thinkers, you know, of course with the longing, but they're pretty like, you know, we should, generalizing I might be doing right now, but let's call them a little bit square. I mean, you really have to be rational uh, in order to even like, you know, get the ticket to get up in space, you know. Uh, but when they experience what is called the overview effect, you watch your earth from above, they basically, all of them say that they, something that they become religious, basically. <laughs> so, so from an engineer to an immediate peacemaker, because it's like the ultimate awe. It actually ties into a lot of things, this, this sense they become religious. But it, one of the things you also talk about in the book is the fact that it may even be that all religion have this one thing in common. It's like, that they're on, on the core of it or in the core core of religion is an experience of awe or a longing for awe. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that kind of goes together with the spirituality of awe and the peak experience, all of those. I know I'm again, I'm away from the everyday awe. We will get there, but just like oh, this particular there. part yeah. goes yeah. with the overview effect. Well, awe 
can be a religious experience, but it could definitely be a, maybe a spiritual experience. And mm. um, for a long time, it was always claimed by the church, so to say. But if you loosen up a little bit and you, and you widen the area where you use are, uh, which we do today, you notice that you can have this big expanding and spiritual experience, whether you're in nature or listen, you're listening to music or you experiencing something in meditation that kind of like, you know, open yourself up to something grander. And in the science of awe, they talk a lot about the self-experienced awe or the self-experienced spirituality. So everything that you yourself feel, that is valid. So there are no, there, there are no answers. Religion doesn't have any answer what awe and spirituality is, how it's supposed to feel, but you have. How, how does it feel within you? That's the marker. And I think that's beautiful. Oh, so do I. And I mean, you have a whole list of different things that can create all like nature, sense of community, spirituality, art, music, architecture, and skill and brilliance, and, and also people like heroes and you know, inventors, people we admire. And and what I realized now when you said that it's an it's an individual, nobody can tell us, no, you're not experiencing all this is this is something that only only we know if we do. And um, I would say it may also vary over our life, what actually gives us all that in different cycles of our life, in different times of our life, different things would give us all. Um, so my sense is if you look at all those different things, where would you, where would you say that today has kind of started to be included in awe that hasn't been before? Is that um, things like art and music or skill and brilliance, you know, when you said there was mainly like a religious yeah. thing before, where, yeah. where has it expanded or is it all of them? Uh, I mean, it's, it's all of this. I think that at least it was mine and Sarah's experience that when we kind of tumbled upon the, the, the effect that, that true skill has, you know, mm -hmm. when, when something is like, you know, how can a person jump so high <laughs> or, or run so fast? Or how can a person like make a pot uh, like that or, or uh, create the mandala with all that detail? So that kind of awe that we go, wow, you know, something expands within, within you and you're, you're more than amazed. How is this possible? That, I would say, is a little bit of a newcomer to, to awe, you know. It's like this, an awe for, for ourselves in a way, without being egocentric. It's like an awe for the human brilliance. Yes. Brilliance mm. is a very good word. Talent, mm. like true talent, brilliance, ultimate skill, and, you know, land windings in technology and um, communications and, and, and everything. You know, we, we, one part of the research was where we 
saw that I think it was must have been in the beginning of the 1900s. It was uh, a physical phenomena uh, that the doctors had to handle, uh, and it was called uh, aviation neck. (laughs) And and uh, and you're just like, what is that? Well, that came from audience people watching airplanes in the sky. You know, (laughs) because. We don't do it these days because, you know, yeah, an airplane flies in the sky. But, you know, in the early 1900s, I think it was in the right time period, you know, mm-hmm. you went to shows, you went to see this phenomena. You were in awe. <laughs> yeah. And I even got a little bit of awe when you said that because I could see how that, yes, that could absolutely be true. And I had no idea. So it's like, you know, open up this whole little new space what else could come that would be like that yeah um what was it like writing this book for you and Sarah oh it was you know since we are not obviously the 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 researchers the scientists and such uh it was such an amazing we could call it like an explorative journey to go ahead with some knowledge but mostly with a passion and a huge curiosity for this subject and uh, meet all these people that have, we met one, we call them wonder junkies, you know, people who live for, for, you know, feeding themselves continuously with wonder and awe in their lives, having arranged their lives, uh, you know, to, to experience this feeling, but also the, the, to interview and meet the researchers, uh, uh, the leading researchers of, the, uh, of this area. So talk a little bit more about a wonder junkie. Um, can you give an example of one of the wonder junkies you got to meet and, and what made them a wonder junkie? Yes. Well, first of all, Wonder Junkie, we kind of borrowed it. Well, let's say we borrowed it from someone who borrowed it. Um, so Jason, Jason Silva, he calls himself a Wonder Junkie. Uh, so Jason Silva, he, he's a futurist, a filmer, um, a spokesperson for this uh, unbound potential uh, of awe and more. We haven't interviewed him, but he inspired us a lot in the writing of this book. Uh, and he calls himself a wonder junkie. Uh, and he found the way of describing it in, in a poem from the um, astrophysicist uh, Carl Sagan, who, who writes about the wonder junkie. In the book, we interviewed six, six wonder junkies. And uh, which one should, we, should I present to you? <laughs> a beautiful wonder junkie that we uh, uh, defined ourselves. He, he himself never defined himself as a wonder junkie, but that was Professor Hans Rusling, who made it his life uh, mission to uh, inform us, the world, as a public speaker. Uh, he was amazing in teaching us about true statistics, truly how the world looks, uh, and it doesn't look as bad as we believe. And one thing he actually said was that he wanted to spread awe and wonder into his audience because he knew if he could create that feeling in each and every person, he really got their attention. And that's how he could then plant the facts and statistics into them later. 
because what did he do? For example, he uh, all of a sudden he could bring out a sword and really start eating the sword. He's like a sword eater on stage in the the clothes of uh, uh, of, a, of a nutty professor, actually. <laughs> so if that doesn't create awe, uh, what does? <laughs> and and I, I actually met him. He he tended to use that even in his presentations, like even without the swords added, he would always go for that element of surprise. Like he would, his whole mm-hmm. gapminder system was created in a way where it actually did create awe. You would add different statistics and then he would add the last one and then he would make everything like shift around and change. And there you go. And it's something you never expected. So that like tiny moment of awe for something that where you thought it was one way, you had a conclusion and then suddenly you're shown, no, actually it looks completely different than what you would have expected or that you brought us through in that sense of awe. So yeah, he was, he was definitely like a wonder junkie that way. There was a thing that I was wondering in the book, you also talk about what actually does happen in the brain. Um, You call it um, automatic mindfulness, where basically the brain takes like a mini pause at the moment of awe. Yeah. So one or actually a couple of studies that they made with the help of brain mapping, uh, you know, you use magnetic resonance, you know, when you put the electrodes uh, on your brain and, 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 and so on. Uh, to see what kind of activates and lights up, you know, in the brain. There they could see that the area called the default mode network that is usually associated when it's active, so to say, you as a person, you're engaged in me, myself and I kind of thinking. So, you know, thoughts related to okay, what did he say? Where, who am I in this context, in this group? What is going to happen tomorrow? You know, everything is about what's happening in, in your closest realm, so to say. And when you experience awe, as, as they have seen also, when you experience, you know, the deep states in mindfulness and meditation, it, it has the same effect the default mode networks kind of calms down. Hmm. It's not active. We usually say, okay, it goes so fast. It goes so automatic. So you don't, you know, you don't have to sit for 30 minutes in meditation and get deeper and deeper into this state. Uh, You experience awe and this happens. So that's why the researcher called it automatic mindfulness. I love that. And it goes very well together with all the, all the, effects of awe, which I call the possibilities of awe that you've listed in the book. And there you get healthier, you let go of your Mm -hmm. ego, you get less stressed, more creative, you get more meaning, kinder, and you even mentioned like greener choices. And and I would like to dive into um, two of these that you get kinder. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? What what makes us get kinder after Mm -hmm. moments of awe or during moments of awe? And there you actually find, if we go back to to what we just said about how the default mode network kind of, you know, slow down and and the equation of you, you know, the little you stops for a while. It doesn't deal with you so much. 
So then what does it deal with? Well, that's what they have seen. It deals with that you open up for something bigger. You open up to uh, that a world is bigger. They have seen that people get prone to pro-social behavior. They want to help. They want to donate of their time. They want to socialize. They want to give. Uh, so that you get kinder, you get more generous, you, you uh, bend down to, to assemble the, 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 the pencils that someone has dropped on, 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 on the floor, basically. Studies show that if you experience awe, you're the first one to bend down and help, basically. So it's like awe creates a bigger world, less self-centered and more we-centered, and that then increases our willingness to be aware of the needs around us. Yeah. That's why if we go back to the overview effect, that's what they call it. Basically, I feel that, that that's the name of all, all that astronauts feel, you know. What they want to do, many of them want to do once they're back on Earth, is to say to people, hey, remember, we are a whole globe. We are a world. There are no boundaries. There are nothing that separates us. We are all one, you know. So if one take it like that, we get pro-social uh, feeling everyday awe and, and we put it into the astronaut's overview effect, one can also understand why they want to go out and, uh, you know, basically save the world. It also ties into this, like, big, if we do have big mystical experience or a religious experience, spiritual experience of any kind, often they do come with a, a sense of meaning, bigger purpose, mm. less of that self-centered, I have to win <laughs> in this reality. I wonder also how that if, if we say that that sense of awe, the kindness, the more meaning, mm -hmm. uh, greener choices, letting go of ego, how does that come into uh, evolution? You mentioned that in the book a little bit about how it's been driving the world forward in different ways. Yeah, there are a few theories and, and almost a little bit depending on which researcher we ask, they had a little bit of different ideas about us, you know, role in our ev evolution. Mm. But one idea I found very interesting, and that is all as a meaning-making experience, meaning-making emotion. This particular research team, they went all the way back to, you know, to seeing us as primates, you know, and linked it to research of uh, Jane Goodall, for example, who has studied chimpanzees uh, for a long time. And she has seen that uh, primates, they seem to look for and uh, experience awe. Hmm. You can see that they, they climb, climb up the trees at sunrise to watch sunrise. You can see what happens. They, they draw into waterfalls and, and uh, how they react to it. So if we use that as a stamping ground and thinking that evolutionary 
this was this is a feeling that we have kept and you know uh, that has been important for us maybe not for immediate survival you know for protection or shelter or food or you know or or danger but as something else you know so if it is meaning making and we still keep on uh, you know nurturing our awe what is it for nurturing yeah. for like discoveries and how exactly. that sense of all yeah. like yeah. yeah and that's where we that's where we uh, left it in the book we present the idea that what has made us progress as a mankind what made us think that uh, what in earth, you know, why, why would we even want to build a boat <laughs> or a space <laughs> or whatever? And uh, we believe that it's awe. You know, you lie there, you look up at the sky, watch the stars and you fill yourself with wonder and you think, oh my God, what is there? You know, or you watch the sunset, see the sun go down way, way, by the horizon what is it over there you know so yeah. uh it's very easy uh, to imagine you know as we're not the only ones of course it's like the it's common ground with scientists as einstein and carl sagan and so on and they totally believe that awe is the stepping stone for for science and and uh, uh discoveries and and uh, and more can you practice and kind of get better at awe? <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. Some people they have seen are more awe prone, but you can definitely um, regard it as a muscle too. I even saw in your book you wrote about that they give awe on prescription. Yes, a few doctors uh, have seen the benefits of awe and actually prescribed or recommended, uh, for example, awe walks. Hmm. So an, an awe walk is just, you have it there in the word. You go out with the intention <laughs> to experience awe. So when you go out for an awe walk, whether it's in the park or in the woods or at a museum, basically you don't look into your cell phone <laughs> or, or maybe do something else. You're there and, and uh, you decide to take in and be aware uh, and go awe hunting, so to say. Yeah, and you even have, you have a few different practices at the end of the book for awe hunting. And I, and I love that particular one with the awe walk because anybody even listening to this right now who want to experience a moment of awe, just walking out your door, like you call the everyday awe, like walking yeah. out your door, taking a walk where you're present, breathing, as you say, and then just really look for what is beautiful, what is awe-making around you. Is there anything else that you would say is great everyday practice of awe that people listening to this could start adding to their lives? A great everyday is to maybe constantly remind yourself to be still and look up. Just, you know, be still and look up. It's like you don't have to think, oh my God, now am I going to do this for 30 minutes or something? You can just every now and then remind yourself, stand still, be still, you know, take a breath. You know, you're waiting for the bus. And you remind yourself, oh, be still, you know, maybe you look up and you take in 
it's so subtleties. It's much, much easier, but it's like the first step is, you know, the conviction or the intention or the awareness of. So again, again, because it doesn't have to be big because all of a sudden you hear the birds sing and something mm -hmm. happens to you. The moments of awe captured yeah. every day. Yeah. <laughs> and the last thing I wanted to talk about a little bit is I would say that you have at the end of the book, you're talking about awe in the future. And how does one find the awe of the future in today's world? It can be a little tricky with, you know, the news, the climate change, the, the political polarization and all of that. What would you recommend like to when you look at the future and to have a sense of awe? It's so easy. I feel right now it's very I feel very tempted to talk about, you know, virtual reality and, you know, technology and gadgets that, that can help us with this. And uh, I think you, as I have noticed, uh, are pull towards the nature. Mm. So we're still, you know, yes, future, but we're still very much here <laughs> in our flesh and, and, and bones. And we still get so thrilled and so amazed and so calm and so uh, open when we uh, enter nature. So that's like the, um, it's still in the nearest future. What I feel is the most healing and most awe-evoking thing you can do. So how do you think that we could use awe more to create a greater future? Well, the great thing is that we recently discovered that already in Sweden, for example, in, in, the, in the preschoolers, in the teachers' curriculum, awe is, is, is part of their curriculum. And we think that that is like the, the, the best way to start, as, both as a teacher uh, who meets all our children <laughs> And, uh, you know, to enhance and see and encourage uh, the feeling of awe that already from the very, very beginning give that very special feeling of place and validity. Mm. Uh, there is nothing better than that. Uh, and, of course, us, we who listen and, you know, are aware and maybe um, listen to podcasts about awe or whatever <laughs> can you know be reminded because that is that is what we have that's the main thing we have to remind ourselves and we have to remind each other about the feeling of awe because everyone knows what it is and when you get reminded that's when you know without anyone telling you how good it is that's when you know this is good shit. <laughs> and I would say, I just realized, I think that's also when we know that something is true. It's true for us. It may not be true for anyone else, but it's true for us when we have that sense of awe. I remember watching David Attenborough's Our Planet a while ago. And um, in the beginning of it, it's beautiful. And he, he really conveys like the change of the earth that has occurred during his lifetime. And at the end, he has a whole series of examples of how people actually are creating something very different with the world, like how they how they grow things in the Netherlands or how they like all of those things created a sense of awe in me. I got a sense of 
yes, this Mm. is possible. Yes, we can change this. Yes, we're actually able to create a different future by our own brilliance. Like you were saying, like the, the sense of awe for what we're capable of, the sense of awe for what we can choose. So it's kind of like if we, if we train people to know what awe is, to be awe seekers, <laughs> but mm. then also to use awe when we would like to show people what's true for them. Mm. So Yes, I think we should all become wonder junkies. That will be my new target for this year, to become a wonder junkie. (laughs) Is there anything else you would like to add for people just to take with them from here that you've started to do after you wrote this book when it comes to awe and wonder? Well, something that can't be pointed out enough is that don't get stuck in the big seeking of awe. You know, you, it's like you don't have to go on the big, big trip. You don't have to go to the moon. <laughs> no, it's, it's like you, you really have to remember that a sense of wonder, you know, a sense of, I mean, my favorite are moments uh, I have several every day. It's like I take a look at, at my flowers on, on my kitchen table. Mm. Mm. So it's like, you, you know, you find your everyday awe your 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 source that you know is the go-to that gives you (laughs) and 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 uh, find your your go-to awe so to say that you know that this feeds me this this makes me uh uh feel good get warm inside uh, and and so on and know that the big moments they will also come uh but don't deprive yourself from awe uh, waiting it's there and you know it's so funny we could have it's perfect we're feeding the wolf of awe it's like a brand new (laughs) name for this podcast for today yeah Yeah, feeding the wolf of awe and and really doing that every day in different ways thank you so much Katrin for coming on and exploring this with me Um, and if people would like to find you could you tell them where they could find you? And um, is most of it in Swedish that you do? Or do you have some English adventures? Yes, I think uh, the first thing is that you can look us up at the awe effect on Instagram. So at the awe effect. And then me personally, if you get any kind of interest in story coaching, it's at story coaching. On, on, on Instagram too. Go to Instagram and mm. find Katrine there. And I really recommend going to the awe effect. That's stay there. <laughs> stay there and, yeah. and stay in awe as stay one prank is. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast, Feeding the Wolf of Possibilities. I hope you have more space in your world now. If you would like to listen to earlier episodes, share with other people or subscribe, please go to Spotify, iTunes, or visit katrinavalentin.com slash wolf.